0: You're listening to the Peacock and
1: Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. This is your show. This is when we dip into our Twitter mailbag at Twitter. Tuesday a two-minute drill whatever you want to call it we'll get back to our, our normal two-minute drills as the season gets going where we spend at least two minutes on every division in the NFL but you know it's just sort of a crapshoot here in the offseason whatever you guys want to get into we started talking about the beverages and last week and shorts Matt's a shorts guy I'm a pants guy we oh, found yeah. out yeah something I didn't realize so I, I love those kind of questions get to know each other a little better even you know we talk to each other every day <laughs> at BDPcock on Twitter at Williamson NFL is where you can get those questions into me or Matt. Uh, Here's one. Let's just start. Let's get going, Matt. Let's start here with Dave. He said, "Uh, I would love to hear a breakdown similar to yesterday's show, but defensive scoring efficiency. Not only what teams were top and bottom of touchdowns allowed, but also touchdowns scored by the defense per game. Uh, Did you happen to have any of those numbers on hand? Are those making their way into your spreadsheet yet, Matt?
1: Yeah, it's interesting is because he asked this question, and I thought, wow, I should have done that immediately. That's something I always do is just flip it to the other side of the ball. So I read that tweet maybe 10 minutes before we went hit, hit the record button, and I did a search, and I don't really need a spreadsheet for it. I am a Football Outsider subscriber, have been for many, many years, looking forward to their book, and they have it all right there. So I'll just give you the, the thumbnail sketch here. Do you want to do points per drive allowed? Start yes, there,
0: yes. That's a great place to start.
1: Okay, these are all under two points per game per drive allowed the Saints, the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Ravens, Washington, and then the best two are the Steelers at 1.65, and the Rams with a pretty strong margin of victory here. 1.48. 1.48 points per drive allowed. I mean, Pretty impressive number in today's NFL that really favors the, the 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 offense.
0: And you can see why Brandon Staley quickly got a head coaching job in the NFL. Yeah, I really thought yeah. of coach. And it's not like they moved on from some schlub either. Uh, Wade Phillips has been doing it for a long time, was a defensive coordinator before Brandon Staley, and that defense even took off there when he took over. So, yeah, and when it comes to the Rams, a big question that always comes to mind for me is, did they gain more going from Goff to Stafford than they lost going from – uh, and I'm blanking on who their new defensive yeah, coordinator is, but, but right. yeah, moving on from uh, Brandon Staley and he he was awesome for the,
1: was for awesome. the Rams. Yeah, I did a lot of innovative stuff too. And yeah, he had two stud players, but he utilized them in unique fashions. I think he's a massive loss. I, I often bring up the Arthur Smith loss for Tennessee, but I think I should bring up the defensive change in L.A. a little bit more. So points for drive again. This one, they tell you the NFL average. So it's 2.26. Those teams I mentioned were all under two. Here's the bad ones, though. You know, these are all 2.67 or worse. Tennessee, Minnesota, which I think will come, will get a little better. Jacksonville, Houston, Vegas at 2.86. And then the Lions were at 3.04. So, I mean, they were noticeably the worst just like the rams were noticeably the best
0: did vegas have a bunch of high scoring games that i don't remember
1: because they it do? sounds like there was a lot of
0: scoring going vegas, on in those games yeah, offensively right. and defensively for them
1: start your fantasy players when vegas played last yeah. year you're right dude. you're 100 right um i also have yards per drive if you want to just do the thumbnails of those there's actually a ton of stuff here i mean there's fumbles for drive interceptions per drive touchdowns for your turnovers per drive all this stuff so we could dig into it or not, or we just get into the Twitter question. Yeah, whatever Doesn't you matter, see
0: there, uh we whatever you see there on that page that is interesting, give us the highlights of them for sure for sure.
1: I'm just gonna do yards per drive since that's the first call. And okay. The average is about thirty-four point five yards per drive. You gotta realize some of those are short fields, some of them are eighty yard fields, some of them are ten yard fields. Um the teams that were better than thirty were San Francisco. That's promising for you guys. And then teams you would imagine here, the top three were Washington, Pittsburgh, and again, the Rams. The Rams were under 25 yards allowed per drive when the league average is about 35. So again, pretty wide margin of victory for the Rams. I think they were the best defense in the league. I think these numbers really back that up. And here's the bad ones. These are the ones that allowed 38 or more yards per drive. Atlanta, Jacksonville. Vegas, Tennessee, Houston and Detroit were right almost at 42 yards allowed per drive as the worst in the league. So not real shocking news there, to be honest. No,
0: I think those have all made sense so far. And those teams you mentioned that were giving the ball back to their offense. I think we saw those numbers bear out when we were looking at offensive efficiency and how uh, many drives per game teams were having when we were looking at yesterday's offensive stats.
1: Yeah, exactly. I 100 percent agree, and and they're the usual suspects. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of shocks here, and I haven't d- dug into these numbers to the same degree. And there's a lot here, but uh, interesting stuff.
0: Absolutely, I like it. Thank you for the question, Matt or Dave. We've always got to yeah. get the uh, the defensive looks as well as the offensive. I know we you know fantasy stuff, and we always tend to focus on the offensive side of the ball, but we we, we got to give the defenses. Some love here as well. Actually, let's go to, we're talking a lot about the Rams here. Let's go to, there's a lot of either ors and and versus questions in today's mailbag. So I think we're going to have to pick some sides here on today's show, Matt. Let's go to JDS who said, McVay or Shanahan? He also said in parentheses, would also love to hear full coach rankings. From you. I don't think we're gonna do a coach rankings today, but what do you think? McShay versus Shanahan came into the league the same year as head coaches in 2017. Mm -hmm. Both have lost Super Bowls already as head coaches. McVay, better overall record. Shanahan, better record versus McVeigh.
1: Didn't know that. Hmm. I think I know your answer, just a hunch. I'm gonna go this direction. Better head coach, I'm gonna say McVeigh slightly better offensive mind, I'm going to say Shanahan and play caller designer.
0: I think that's completely fair. Yeah, uh, if you did a coach draft, I think there's a good chance McVay does go a spot ahead of Shanahan, but they might go back to back. They're very close. Yeah, very I think close. right now you have to go with scoreboard. You have to look at the wins and losses. And Shanahan's only had the one winning season, but he did go to a Super Bowl that year. And obviously nobody questions his offensive mind and both Coaches now have better quarterbacks at some point going forward. We'll see how good of a coach Shanahan is because he's got one molding from a twenty-year-old that he drafted out of North Dakota State, and McVay gets a, a finished product in Matthew Stafford here and see a, how that looks versus what we saw with Jared Goff and maybe that was something that was holding that Rams offense back from even more uh, of scoring and um, more efficiency. And you know who knows how scary that Rams team could be if that's how things go there and, and the defense stays strong even without Brandon Staley, but. Uh, I think it's a big year for both of those coaches, and we're going to learn a lot about both of them. But I would not argue if you said McVay over Shanahan just because a pure head coach, because you have to consider more than just dialing up and designing offensive plays.
1: Yeah. But it's, one of the first things you said there was if we had a head coach draft, I'd probably take Shanahan, even though I, th- I mm. think McVay's resume is a little better, you know, that he's, If we're actually drafting feet to the fire, that's a great fantasy thing to do. Like, build your list. But when you're actually on the clock, when you take the 20th guy on your board over the 18th guy on your board, well, he should be the 18th guy on your board. Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? Um, If we're taking them going forward, I think I draft Shanahan ahead of McVeigh slightly just because I put so much emphasis on – quarterback development, offensive scheme, and not to McGVay's bad at all. I mean, this is, you know, we're we're really splitting hairs. But I do think Shanahan's the better offensive mind, play designer, and I really put a strong, you know, emphasis on that. I think it's interesting like you mentioned Goff and Jimmy probably get a little more heat than they deserve, but that's the nature of the position. They're fine, they're not terrible, but they're far from, you know, elite and maybe they both have the new quarterback of the future and uh, I'm sure you've talked about this or thought about this too, but you know we were asked about rivalries. This could be uh Parcells Gibbs, uh, Tomlin Harbaugh. I'm trying to think long time division rivals that stay with their team for like 20 years. I mean, that, that could be one of the best that we've seen.
0: Oh yeah. And you hope it turns out that way. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. LA, San Francisco, it's a rivalry that needs to be rekindled needs to be a little bit stronger, I think. And that would help everybody in the NFL And, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. And obviously for Rams and 49ers fans, that'd be fun. Cause that means they're really good teams and going at it and having really yeah, important yeah. games every season, a real quick note, pro football focus did their ranking of the best head coaches like going into the 2021 season, and in the top seven coaches I think they had ranked, neither McVay or Shanahan were in there. This was their list. Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Matt LaFleur, Sean McDermott, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, and Kevin Stefanski. I thought that list yeah, was very interesting. It's
1: a little, little uh, putting the cart above the for, horse with me for, for LaFleur. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's only it's, two seasons.
0: It's, I mean, more a, it. it's more of a, a snapshot than a... Than a lifetime achievement award, I think, with their yeah. list. It was like, look, this is these are the teams and they're factoring. See, here's the head coach thing is there's so much that goes into being a head coach other than coaching one side of the ball. There's, you know, are you a motivator? Uh, Are you good in fourth down situations, late in game situations? Are you a good evaluator? Are you because if you're in charge of the draft board as well, that's huge for a head coach. So there's so many different things that go into it. And I think that's what the PFF list list was trying to look at. And so um, I think both McVay and Shanahan could still, as young head coaches, get better at some of the head coachy things and not just, you know, I don't think it'd be questions how good they are at coaching offense.
1: Well said. I think that's 100 percent true more so than if I were to do best receivers in the league list, I needed to see a handful of years out of the coaches. I mean, all respect to Stefanski Mm -hmm. and LaFleur. I mean, they have three years experience between them. Stefanski clearly, to me, was coach of the year and deserved it, but do it for five, you know what I mean? Before I put him over, those two, Tomlin, you know, some of the – Carroll, you know I mean? Some of the guys that have been around the block and won a lot of games in this league.
0: And with – the floor it's hard because he went 13-3 two straight years. I mean that's it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. He's got the best record over that two-year span over the span that he's been a head coach and even having a hall of fame quarterback which obviously helps in those crazy efficiency stats we had talked about where the Packers are way ahead of everybody else at the same time, he's gotten more out of that aging quarterback than what was happening before he showed up too. So you do have to give him some credit for that.
1: Huge credit for that. I mean Aaron Rodgers last year compared to when LaFleur got there is very, very different. And I know it's easy to make fun of or criticize the Packers for now, but when they took Jordan Love, it was time to start thinking that Aaron could be, you know, in trouble. You know, he was on decline. He was at a couple of not so great years in a row and at that age, you know, so um, he's absolutely helped resurrect Rodgers' career in a huge way. But right, so one some, one thing, I'm not I'm not killing pro football focus, but I know oh, yeah. one thing they're real big on is like, if you go for it a lot on fourth yes. down, well, mm-hmm. you're a better head coach, and I think that's a little more situational than just saying, oh, if you go for it a lot on fourth down, you're smarter than the other guy. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, but and the thing is, is their list. I, I still agree. Like you know, you've got Peyton and you've got Harbaugh and you've got Belichick all. On there still, you know, so it's it's hard to argue too much yeah. because those guys are good situationally, and Harbaugh is really good in those situations, and uh, Andy Reid as well. And so uh, I I I'm with you on a certain point, but I'm also I kind of get where they're going, and they want to take their you know they want to take their heart out of it. And they want to take out the idea that, oh, well, okay, Bill check one, read two, and just go through and be like, okay, well, we know who the good coaches are. And they want to see what the statistics actually tell us every year. And so I do appreciate that from PFF, but mm-hmm. I do see what you're saying as well. So, like, you, you, you yeah. can't take it all just as, okay, PFF said it, it's done. It's a nice little bit of context, though.
1: Right, right. I mean, like, Pete Carroll to me is a great example. Like, I'm sure analytics do not like Pete Carroll. <laughs> right. he runs the ball too much, you know, doesn't let Russ cook you know, doesn't, isn't aggressive on fourth down enough or whatever, but his contributions when the doors are closed, I'm sure are immense. You know, the tone he sets for the whole organization year after year, after year, I love analytics, but you can't put that into numbers.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Carol's one that probably it's just hard. And it's even hard just from a fan perspective and just analyzing, looking at the teams, like, why do the Seahawks win every year <laughs> going through <laughs> right. uh, the bet online? And actually here's a, here was a perfect time to, to get into that bet online has the Seahawks as the favorite to be third in the NFC West. And I have a hard time looking at the Seahawks and being, I don't, I don't think they're going to finish third. And like, you should never be surprised when the Seahawks finish in first place, they've got Rams, Niners, Seahawks, all very close and Cardinals fourth in that division. Um, but the betting odds for, say, the 49ers finishing first, second, or third are really close, even though second place is where they think the 49ers will likely end up and the Seahawks third. And it's just like every year you count on Pete Carroll being better than you think they're going to be. It's just, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Carroll and Russell Wilson. That's why when the talk about Russell Wilson comes around about moving on from him, it's like, I don't. That's madness. What are you doing? You're an old coach. Why would you even begin to screw with this whatever magic sauce you guys have? Because they just continue to win.
1: Yeah, and one of our listeners did that one-score game spreadsheet for us. And I just pulled it up because every year, if you look at just analytical history, you'll say, look, I mean, I just pulled it up. Last year, Seattle played in 11 one-score games out of 16. That was most in the league. And they won eight of them. Oh, that's bound to regress. They'll probably win three out of 11 next year. But they're the same every year. They always lead the league in like one score games and winning percentage of one score games. Like you can't tell me, you know, that just analytically they're going to go back to 500 winning one score games or under 500 after they do it every year. It's kind of their formula. And obviously Russell Wilson deserves some credit for that, too.
0: No doubt. Okay, we've got some more questions here. Some more versus, either ors, wattses versus boses. Uh, we've got max versus cams. All that coming up. And just to piggyback off what we were talking about with bet online, you can find a ton of even though, you know, football season's over and we're a month away from training camp getting going, but you can find a ton of futures to bet on, over under, win totals, Super Bowl champions, division champions, odds to finish in whatever place for every team. In the NFL, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, NBA playoffs, and the NHL, and we've got major league baseball going all summer long, obviously, even boxing and celebrity boxing matches, awards shows, TV, reality, poker, whatever you want. They've got the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine at Bet Online. So go to BetOnline.com, use your mobile device or your desktop computer. Use promo code locked on and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code locked on at betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Matt, This is a good one because the teams we cover have a Watt and a Bosa. This question from Anthony: Which set of brothers would you want next season? So this is not rest of career. This is just in two thousand twenty-one. The Watts or the Bosas?
1: Do I get Derek? No, just <laughs> yeah,
0: you, get, you get them all. You get the whole fam.
1: Uh, you get all of them. Um, I'm going to go with the Bosa's. I would rank them TJ, Bosa, Bosa, JJ. Yep. I was and I'm not say- sure which Bosa's ahead of the other at this point because I've only seen one of Nick, and I think Joey's criminally underrated.
0: I was going to say the exact same thing and rank him the exact same way. J.J., obviously, his star shined very bright, but he is not that guy anymore. I would put both Boses above him, and what T.J. is doing right now, I think he would probably have to rank one. I think Nick potentially could be third or finish this season first on that list. Yeah, so I agree. that's the, yeah. the unknown there. How does he come back from his ACL? But the path he was on as a rookie was just, oh, my God, look out. He's even better than his brother, which is hard to imagine because you're right. Not enough people talk about how good Joey Bosa is.
1: Absolutely. And we talked about, you know, the new coach Staley there. Uh, He could get the most out of Bosa. Maybe they move him around a little more. I also think that it it isn't going to help Joey's case. This doesn't mean he's a lesser player with Ingram, not there. They don't have a bookend for him like they used to, but I think Joey's a great player, probably a top 10 defensive player in the league. And I'm sure TJ is a top 10 defensive player. I think uh, Nick was, I assume he'll get back to that, but I want to see it with my own eyes. I don't know that JJ can do that now. And I hope the Cardinals are smart with him and play him like two thirds of the snaps.
0: It's amazing with the Boses, the scouting report on these guys. They're just so technically sound it's amazing nick bosa in high school was probably more technically sound than half the defensive linemen currently in the nfl it's amazing he's coming in as a rookie and he's teaching other guys who are five-year veterans technique in training camp you know as a rookie it's amazing Both Bosa's really good, equally good against the run and the pass. Uh, They're explosive and powerful, you know, speed to power, that sort of thing. But they're not just winning with athleticism and pure athleticism. They're just really good down to down. And if they're not getting sacks, they're getting pressures. They're doing their job. So just rock solid across the board, Joey and Nick Bosa. Very similar players. Nick has a little bit more juice and Joey obviously a little bit bigger than his Little brother, and we've seen JJ Watt. We know how he plays, we know how good he is for a long time. But what makes TJ Watt, Matt? You've watched so much of him for the listeners that don't know why he's so good. What makes him so good?
1: Uh, real quick, too, on the Bosos, let's not forget daddy was a first round pick. You know, like there's there's there's
0: bloodlines and athleticism there for sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, you, you always talk about the Mannings or you know, Mahomes' dad was a pitcher, like Mr. Boso was a pretty good prospect in his own right, too, back in the day. Um, TJ, the three of them, I mean, JJ, I think we know this, but the three of them are much better athletes than you give them credit for too. Like go watch, go look at TJ's combine numbers. They're really, really good. And it kind of amazes me looking back at that draft class, the Steelers got him at like the 27th pick. I mean, they were a playoff team. They were good. And it was a good edge class. I think that was, that's was in the Miles Garrett year. Um, but he was only, uh, he, he came kind of like a big brother. He was a tight end his first couple of years at Wisconsin and was only an edge rusher for two years. So this was all kind of new to him. Um, he's a leaner guy. Like when you see him in person, his waist is very narrow, but he's long. He bends extremely well. He too is a tremendous technician really reads plays well too. Like of all these guys without question in my mind, He's the best coverage player. Not not that that's high on the list, you know, but, like, J.J.'s so good at swatting passes. T.J.'s really taking it up a level with jarring the ball out when he gets there, too. I mean, he really wrestles the football away before, you know, and causes turnovers. The Steelers drop their edge guys in coverage more than most teams, and he's effective doing that. He'll end up with an interception or two a year. So he's a really well-rounded player, and effort for all of them is awesome. Athleticism for all of them are awesome, you know.
0: T.J. Watt, I, I remember arm length. He had really long arms, right, coming out of school, and you see that when he plays, and that's always really important, to get the hands-on guys. Actually, I'm looking at his combine stuff right now. So six, I was just
1: about to look that up, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, I remember being really good.
0: 6'4". 2.52, he ran a 4.69 in the 40, 37-inch vertical, sub-seven seconds. Actually, this is a fantastic three-cone, which Nick also had, was a 6.79 three-cone. So I think that's, that's a something really that's in common with all guys. of these guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he was like 90th percentile on almost all of those
1: versus other linebackers. Yeah, interesting. And he's heavier. I mean, if, you're, if he's running with linebackers, quote, I mean, he's really a, a defensive end more than a linebacker.
0: Right, so a defensive end size guy, 93rd percentile athleticism versus linebackers who were supposed to be yeah. smaller and more athletic than defensive ends.
1: Interesting, yeah. I'm trying to think what draft year that was because I'm trying to – I remember thinking the Steelers need a, an edge guy, and I, I we were kind of holding you know, holding our breath that he would get that far, but there was a lot of them that year. I'm pulling it up right now. He was the 30th pick in the first round.
0: That was 2017. Like,
1: yeah, I'm looking at it now. That was Miles Garrett was the first one. Um, Derek Barnett went 14th. He was more of a four-three edge. Jonathan uh, Jonathan Allen's defensive tackle. They haven't listed here's defensive end. Um, Tack McKinley went ahead of him. Oh. Taco Charlton went a couple picks ahead of him. Wow! I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe this guy's fallen. But he didn't have a lot of experience.
0: Eleven-inch hands too, massive.
1: Hands. Yeah, he's huge hands. I've shook his hands <laughs> before. They're massive.
0: That one always blows me away. I think when you aren't around pro athletes, you, you, you don't realize, even the ones that aren't great athletes, the freaks among freaks that the, these guys are. When you see a guy walk in the room, oh, my God, that is a moving house. And you see how big their hands are, how strong they are. And they're already massive humans and have worked out their entire life. It's pretty crazy sometimes.
1: Yeah, and some of these edge guys in particular, you know, I've seen a ton of them in my Steeler career with you know three, four edge guys. I remember like Jason Gilden. I always wonder, like, what size jeans do they wear? Some of these dudes, and and Watt's a perfect example. I bet his waist is 28 inches, 30 inches, something like that for a 250-pound man with long legs. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just go in and buy those jeans anywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Imagine trying (laughs) to find clothes when you're an NBA player.
1: Ridiculous. What is he a, an NBA player, right? Well, you actually,
0: once you're in the NBA, it's easier. When you're, Before you become an NBA player, when you're in college and you're 6'11", like, and, and you don't have a lot of money, imagine what that's like. I mean, I can't imagine. Oh, it's I hard know. enough for me at 6'4", sometimes. I don't, I don't fit at tables when I go eat dinner, uh, I, and I'm not that big.
1: No, oh, I hear you. I mean, I'm 6'3", and I have a similar situation, too. Like, it, this is embarrassing, but my genes are 40-34s. You don't find those very often. I mean, <laughs> I mean, do you think TJ was a 28 38 gene or whatever like you can find those at uh, the gap <laughs> and uh, i don't know I, I just find that stuff interesting to me and, and actually my brother-in-law my wife's brother he has size 16 shoes like his whole life growing up he would have like the same pair that well they'd find a pair and buy like three pair of them that's wear them amazing. out
0: that's crazy yeah um anyway all right we, we got to yeah. move on from <laughs> back this conversation. Back to reality here. <laughs> You know who one of the biggest guys was? Sorry, I'd be sorry. Uh I work in downtown in San Francisco. I used to see a lot of athletes and a lot of uh baseball players would stay in hotels next door. Um, you know, I'd meet a lot of people in radio and through media and stuff. One of the biggest guys that really surprised me was Matt Shaughnessy. Do you remember Matt Shaughnessy? Yeah, Raiders yeah. sort of a probably similarly sized to TJ Watt, you know, an outside linebacker, defensive end. I think he was like six five, two fifty. Like, this dude walked in the room and he actually started dating one of the uh, w- servers at the restaurant I worked at. So I used to see him a lot. A really nice guy. Massive. His shoulders, just like the way he would, like his T-shirt would rip if I tried to put one of my T-shirts on, right? He's like wearing double X and he's popping out of his shoulders. Yeah. So long, so tall. He's like, this guy is massive. And he's not like a quote-unquote big man in the NFL.
1: No, right, right. It, it, it's so funny because, again, I like to make fun of myself. I mean, my 6'3, 285, I'm like, oh, that's like a bowling ball defensive tackle type. You know, like, no, not exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but like, I remember when the Steelers signed Flozell Adams, speaking of hotels, yeah, the hotel. Go. he's listed at 6'7, 330, just like most tackles, but he was bigger than every offensive lineman by leaps and bounds. Like, if you just walked up and like, that guy's way bigger than everybody else, you know, it's it just, Sometimes height and weight is a little misleading. Yes,
0: absolutely. You know who else is really big that you don't realize is uh, baseball pitchers. Mm, I bet. Really big, tall guys there. There was a closer, uh, Jeff Neiman, that used to come in a lot. He would order a burger with double meat. We didn't have a double burger. We had a really big burger. He's 6'11". I think he used to play basketball wow. with a Mecca Okafor in Texas and then became a baseball player, a pro baseball player He was a closer for a while. He would come in when the the Rays were in town. He would order... Uh, a burger with double meat and so i'd have to go make a special (laughs) order we didn't have a button for it i have to go tell the guys in the kitchen he's like put another slab of meat on this burger for this guy because he's like i don't care if you charge (laughs) me for two burgers i want one burger with two meats
1: (laughs) that's great that's great i I would think that i mean you want your closers to be big and scary wild thing coming out of the pen you know big thick lower bodies long arms you know throw gas for you know 15 10 minutes or whatever
0: I love it. All right, let's move on. We've got Cam versus Mac coming up and some other questions to finish up this Twitter Tuesday. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno? Recently, if you find that one, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors All the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off, go to BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We did some camp notes last week as teams were wrapping up their minicamps and OTAs and things and sort of talked about the reports we had seen coming out of the New England Patriots minicamps. Andrew wants to know, Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. Pat's opening day starter. think you said Cam previously Have reports for minicamp changed your view. Training camp competition upcoming.
1: Side note, and I kind of realized this, just this last minicamp, but I I mentioned I was at Heinz Field watching Steeler minicamp. Always goes back to Steelers, of course, Williamson. And I realized that they allow their beat reporters to watch all of practice. We couldn't report things that weren't public knowledge yet. We couldn't say that stuff on the air. But where I'm going with this is I don't think New England allows their beat reporters to hardly watch any practice. So... When we get these reports about quarterbacks outperforming others, you weren't really there to see it all. <laughs> you know that what was, I mean? Like was I'm one practice. Sure that's the rule.
0: Yeah, yeah. One practice of seven and maybe not the most competitive
1: period. Right. And you watch and, stretch and then they kicked you out. You know, so <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's, you know, some of these reports, depending on the team rules, are, are great indicators. That being said, I was hard on Mac Jones during the, the process without question. And I know you did not want your Niners to take him, and I don't blame you. But I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I also believe Cam Newton is better at football than what he put on tape last year. I mean, at this time last year, he wasn't even a Patriot yet, I don't think. Then he had COVID. Then he had no receivers whatsoever. And he was really bad. But, I mean, I think he's a better player than what he showed last year. I think Cam's going to be the opening day starter and will be very hard to uproot, because I think the Patriots will be competitive. I think he'll be better than he was last year. I think they have a really good line, and I think Bill, with his offseason spending, is saying we're in it to win it. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's is he going to trust a rookie quarterback? I have my doubts.
0: I also have my doubts there, and I wouldn't be shocked if Mac Jones starts games, and it was a little bit worrisome, even some of the few clips I saw, and I mean, I'm talking three throws, but yeah. It, Cam should not be missing the throws I saw him missing in practice. Like, what are you doing? He's never been the most accurate quarterback. Like, efficiency wasn't his game, but then that's the thing you sort of realize. Like, okay, well, if uh, injuries have taken him down to the point where he's not throwing like he used to, definitely not running like he used to, and you take those elements away and he's still not the most accurate and efficient quarterback out there, then, then what exactly do you have when Mac Jones is so different and Mac Jones is, he's built for efficiency. Like that's why he was a first round draft pick, like 77% completion percentage or whatever it was at Alabama last year is absurd. I remember John Lynch saying that his film was darn near perfect. And it was like hard not to like Mac Jones when you watched him because he never screwed up. And so I think, Bill Belichick, I think the Patriots are going to like Mac Jones. I think it's a good fit for him. I think he went in the right spot, team wise. But I, in week one, I just can't say that I think that the rookie is going to come in and beat out Cam. And I think they're going to stick to plan a little bit more. And if he does, then it's pretty clear that Cam was just really bad, and Mac Jones may be further along and, and ready to go. But they're not just going to put in the rookie just you know because of a couple
1: of OTAs. So training camp will be fun, but I, I still it's got to be it's got to be Cam. I got to think so. I mean. He could be shot. I mean, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because of all the circumstances he had to overcome last year. But you're right. I mean, if he's not running as much, he's not accurate, well, then he doesn't bring anything to the table. And I can't see Matt Jones being the starter, but it's a pretty friendly nest to land in for a quarterback with that running game, that offensive line, easy short throws to those tight ends, and what I think is going to be a pretty good defense.
0: Last one here from Explosivo. What rule change would you implement if you could? He says, I'd change postseason overtime to be one full quarter of play. Could be 10 minutes. Regardless of field goal, touchdown, etc. Play the full quarter, and if it's still tied, then sudden death.
1: I don't dislike that. I I mean, I think in the the postseason, you don't care about TV constraints or wearing these guys out. I think you want to give everyone fair ups to sum the point. I certainly like that one. Um, I always go back to the same thing. My least favorite thing in the world is when the offense fumbles the ball out of the end zone they're going into. Why does the defense get the ball? They never recovered the ball. I, I hate that.
0: Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, that a, a touchback for that makes zero sense to me. Zero sense. Yeah.
1: I mean, even put the offense on the 20, but right. the defense doesn't deserve the football.
0: 100% agree. That's a really good one I would not have thought of with the sudden death thing. And I think they did make it better. You know, field goal shouldn't be able to win it in overtime. So the other team gets a possession if you kick a field goal. I like that rule. Uh, I get why you don't want a football game to go too long and there is a health and safety issue. But, you know, like basketball, play another quarter and it's really fun. Yeah, like the end of the game is the fun part. So do that part again one more time. I, I I'm on board with both of those good ones. We got to run. We're out of time yeah. here. Thanks, everybody, for all of your questions. Some we didn't get to. Might have taken a little bit too long. Maybe we will check back into those later in the week. And you can always keep them coming. You don't have to wait for us to ask for those Twitter Tuesday questions at Speedy Peacock and at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Tag us there. And we'll keep it rolling throughout the offseason. Everything going on in the NFL every day, right here, Peacock and Williamson.